currently on the second week of a series called Five Essential Nutrients, which is uh, really just a look for us at uh, what it means and, and what's required for us as people uh, to actually grow spiritually. Uh, what's required for us to actually uh, live lives that are continually uh, transformed by Jesus? What are the uh, elements, the, the important parts of our, of our diet as humans that are, are going to really help us, help us out in that way? Um, and we, we sort of intro the series a couple of weeks ago. And what we're going to do over the next few weeks is look at uh, those common elements. And again, these are uh, really uh, sort of a five-element uh, five, uh, uh, structure. It's kind of developed by Andy Stanley, but it's just kind of obvious common sense things from the Scripture. Uh, practical biblical teaching, personal, private spiritual disciplines, uh, some experience in ministry and service. We really grow when we uh, get thrown in the deep end of the pool and have to serve. Uh, we learn best by teaching uh, through serendipitous relationships relationships, through connection with people, uh, and through catalytic circumstances, through uh, different things happening in our lives that, that cause us to grow. Um, but the question we really asked last week was, you know, what, what does actually spiritual growth mean? What, what, what is spiritual growth? What's the object of spiritual growth? What, what are we headed for? And, and we sort of came up with this phrase, spiritual growth is knowing Christ in a way that is characterized by enduring faith which propels us forward into a radical commitment to imitate Jesus in his love and join him in his mission. That's what uh, a really uh, a spiritual mature person uh, is about. One, uh, somebody who's going to endure and have faith that trusts God in all kinds of circumstances, all of the stuff life throws at us. We, we look at someone with maturity as being someone who, who, who is able to navigate that with a faith that endures. Those are our, our spiritual heroes. Of course, people who become Christ-like in character are people we see as spiritually mature. People who become more like Jesus, act more like he acted. And people, of course, who join him in his mission, who are doing the stuff of the kingdom alongside Jesus, right? So that's, those, are, those are our goals. Those are our objects as being people who are spiritually mature. And there's these sort of five elements that contribute to our spiritual growth as humans. Uh, this first one that we're going to look at is practical biblical teaching. Uh, an obvious one. Let's get this one uh, right out of the way this week, this rather important one. But, but, uh, but connecting with the scriptures and, and hearing teaching is critical for us in our growth. How many of you remember like the first time somebody ever uh, explained the Bible to you in a way that, that you can understand? Like, like there's some radical moments there where, where the scriptures uh, come alive to you. For me, one of the teachers that I first connected with as somebody who really uh, captured, captured my heart and helped me understand the scriptures in a new way is a guy named Gary Best. He's a former national director for Vineyard Canada. And I remember... Um, when I was in this uh, really formative phase, when I was 17 years old, I, I had an experience with the Holy Spirit. I knew that God was real, and I was just really hungry to learn, and somebody handed me this tape of, yes, tape, cassette tape, I don't know if you've ever heard of those things, of, uh, of some teaching uh, from a guy named Gary Best out in Langley, B.C., of all places. And I was like, hey, you should listen to this. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll listen to that. And there was just something about uh, that teaching. Uh, it was a, at the beginning of a series on, uh, on faith itself, like a series on faith through the life of, of Moses and Abraham. And, uh, and that just grabbed my heart. It just grabbed my heart. And I got the whole 
series of tapes. Remember those? Anybody remember that from back in the day? When you wanted to get teaching, you got a giant plastic folder with a whole bunch of cassettes all in it. Like that's, like that's ancient times. Now they have this thing called the, the internet where you can learn and get tapes. It's just a new thing that some people are trying out now. Uh, but, uh, but it's just a hunger just to consume this. And I would, I press the rewind button a lot on that. Like rewind and listen again. Oh, I missed it. Yeah, you remember that, right? Right? So it's crazy. But, but that, you know, Gary Best, it was great. It was, it was fantastic stuff. And that's sort of what we long for, for for all of us, is to connect with the scriptures in a way that, that grows us and engages us. The sort of question is, uh, how do we do that? And, and I think maybe just worth taking a few minutes to make a case for why we do that, why we value uh, biblical teaching. Because we have, you know, we have a few verses in the scripture uh, like this in, in 1 John 2, 26 to 27 says this, but you've received the Holy Spirit and he lives within you. So you have no need that anyone should teach you for the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know and, when he, and what he teaches is true. And occasionally you'll run into, uh, as a pastor will run into, I don't know whether it's an, an anti-intellectual stream or just a stream uh, of people in the, in the Christian community, the broader Christian community, that are like, you know, why do we spend this time uh, having sermons and, and teaching and learning this stuff? Everybody should just go home and read their Bible and let the Holy Spirit illuminate it to them. And I totally agree, you absolutely need to go home and read the Bible and let the Holy Spirit speak it to you. But what's the value of hearing from a teacher? And why do we have verses like this? Just to put even this one uh, in context, uh, but you've received the Holy Spirit. He lives within you. Uh, you have no need that anyone should teach you. I mean, just... I mean, it's even a, an example of why we need teachers to teach us, but the whole context of that passage is all about identifying false teachers and the specific end that those false teachers were using to uh, bring the people that Paul had taught off base was to say, you know, what Paul taught you when, when he was there visiting with you, you know, you really need somebody to interpret that stuff for you. Uh, so, uh, you know, just don't take everything Paul said seriously, listen to me. And Paul came back to them and said, no, no, let the Holy Spirit uh, lead you. Uh, what we taught you, this, or this original gospel is true. And so that's where we get uh, uh, little bits like this. But overall, we see a huge value on teaching in the scriptures. In fact, John, uh, in writing this book, was actually teaching them about this, right? If you look at this passage, the Holy Spirit is with you. He's teaching them that the Holy Spirit is with you, right? So, so, even, so he's not anti-teaching because he's actually teaching in the moment. So what are we doing when we, when we value teaching and we value preaching and value all of that? The first thing we're doing is we're following Jesus' model for growing people. We're following Jesus' model for growing people. There's 264 instances in the New Testament of Jesus just teaching. And, it's just, and that's actually just searching for the word teach and Jesus taught them or uh, Jesus being referred to as a teacher or whatever. Jesus is a teacher. Uh, and he taught individuals. Uh, he had one-on-one -on -one time. We know this incredible story uh, with him teaching Nicodemus. Uh, we know him getting away with his disciples, with his small group of people that he was close with. He was spending time teaching them and obviously teaching these big crowds and these big groups. Uh, Jesus valued teaching uh, on all of these levels. And, and he self-identified as a rabbi. He was, you know, I'm, I'm a rabbi. And he let people actually refer refer to him as, as rabbi, teacher, or master. He didn't correct them on that. 
because that was a piece of his uh, identity as a person, how he wanted to be known as somebody who had something important to offer. So one, we're just following Jesus. If Jesus, the smartest human who ever walked the planet, felt like uh, giving a little bit of teaching uh, to people was a valuable thing, possibly I could consider it a valuable uh, thing uh, to do. Uh, Second, uh, he sent his Holy Spirit to help make that work which is amazing, right? We have the coming of the Holy Spirit in the earth. Uh, Looking at, um, I forgot to include the reference here, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. So the Holy Spirit comes as a teacher, but I love this little piece. He will bring to remembrance all that I said to you. There's something about the work of the Holy Spirit, and this is just so encouraging for me. Uh, One of the works of the Holy Spirit is actually to bring to our memory uh, the stuff that we, we actually heard Jesus say or we have recorded that Jesus said. The Holy Spirit uh, is active in our lives and he will just, from time to time in your life, just tweak your memory with something that is, is meant to be transformative or meant to change you or meant to encourage you or meant to comfort you. That work of the Holy Spirit often uh, brings us back to the scriptures. And for me, a guy who wrestles with mem- remembering stuff, <laughs> the Holy Spirit helps. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. Students, it's exam time. You need to remember that the Holy Spirit maybe will help you. I don't know, does he do geometry? Uh, I don't know if he does geometry or if he does, uh, you know, biology, anatomy stuff, but I think maybe the Holy Spirit and memory, we can, students all pray at exams anyway, right? So that's all good. Um, And then we see, of course, the teaching is a gift of the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 4, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. uh, That gift of teaching is something that's imparted. It's something that's of value. I'm just going to be actually a terrible teacher for the next two minutes and just blast through a bunch of scriptures on this. Um, So we're following Jesus' model for growing people. all of these sort of ways in which he, he, he walked. Um, uh, we're following the pattern of the early church as well, right? Uh, look at Acts chapter 2, 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And I love that word devoted when you unpack that uh, a little bit in the Greek. Like there's something about them when it came to receiving the teaching and, and being together. There was a really high level of commitment to that. That was, uh, that was, they anchored themselves to it. That's kind of the image from, from the original language. They anchored themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Those were things that held them uh, on their path. Uh, Acts 18, he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Paul, on his missionary journeys, arrive in Corinth. He's, he's got a whole pile of people uh, in a synagogue who are people uh, of the Jewish faith. Uh, they're all there. They've all, a lot of them have grown up. There's a lot of now Gentile believers coming in among them. And he's like, I've got to help these people bring these two worlds together. Uh, help these, these Jewish believers uh, really figure out uh, how to accept the Messiah and connect with him. And I've got to help these Gentile people uh, accept it and, and figure out how to walk and to live like Jesus. And Paul just went to Corinth and, and a year and six months, he just laid the foundations of teaching down for them. Uh, he, he valued that. Um, Acts uh, 20 uh, verses 7 to 12, this is for a pastor, this is one of our favorite uh, little sections in the scriptures. I'm just going to read this section to you. Uh, On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking till midnight. So long sermons, all good. It's just right there. Um, 
And there were many lamps in the upstairs room where they were meeting, and seating in a young, seated in a, young, in a window was a young man named Eutychus. How many of you have heard this story, by the way? How many of you, or, yeah, like this is pretty cool. I love this. Uh, seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. Is any of that happening to anybody right now? Is that happening? Okay, that's good. Um, Paul talked on and on, and when he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. He literally fell to the ground, listening to a sermon, broke his neck, and died. So far, we have not had any sermon-related fatalities in this church, but uh, it's possible. That's why we like, do it on the ground floor. It's, uh, it, could, it could be really dangerous. But what I love is Paul just goes downstairs. I won't read the rest of it. Paul just goes downstairs. Uh, it says he, he wraps his arms around him, prays for him. Uh, Eutychus comes back to life. So there's a, a, a literal resurrection in that moment. And everybody's like, woohoo, he's back to life. He died and now he's back. Party, let's go. What are we going to do? What are you going to do when like, a guy like Eutychus comes back to life? Like you throw a party, you hold a conference. Uh, I don't know what you do. You tweet it. It's on Instagram for sure. Like this is something to be celebrated, right? But here's what Paul did. Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. Whew, that was exhausting. I'm really hungry. Um, then he talked until daylight. Right? Like, come on, there's something that, that is in the words of Paul and in the words of the scriptures that, that is like captivating and valuable and something to be treasured. Um, and in Acts 20, verse 20, says that, he says this, uh, how did I not shrink? How I didn't, he was talking about how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public from house to house. Paul's value, just house to house, place to place, teaching. There's a value on taking that stuff in. Early leaders nurtured the gifts and called the next generation of leaders to excellence in it. As 2 Timothy chapter 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. And man, that's one that just hits my heart whenever I read it as a pastor, right? Like, man, I have got to handle this with with truth and with integrity and to and to get better at it and to grow at it like i'm hoping for my whole life as a preacher and teacher I, i'm going to grow and i'm going to be able to be responsible with the word uh, titus chapter 2 7 and 8 in your teaching show integrity dignity and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us like have integrity in the word. And we're called to honor teachers. We're called to honor like the Gary Bests in our lives, like uh, the people who were profs in my, in my uh, seminary. We're called to honor them. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Somebody who's, who's uh, soaked themselves in the word, there's way to respect and imitate. First Timothy 5, 16, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. There's something about those people who have dedicated their lives to study, dedicated their lives to learning, who have invested in that process, uh, that there's, there's something honorable and something beautiful and something powerful about that. And there's, there's a way in which we need to to, to care for them and bless them and honor them. So the question is, like, so, so that's the case for why we teach, why we value it. Uh, we see it all over the scriptures. It, it's why, like, Sunday morning, uh, we could do all kinds of different things, right? 
but we gather in, in, in some ways churches all over uh, the world to hear the reading of the scriptures and to hear somebody teach about them. That's why we, um, in part why we take an offering so that we have a roof over our heads so that we can be sort of warm in January when it's time for teaching. And we're like, we could do outdoor services. How many of you would come if we were doing outdoor services? I mean, I mean, our numbers, I think, would be slightly down. I'm just thinking. Uh, but uh, but we, we value this collective hearing of the word together. So the question is, practically, how do we receive uh, Bible teaching in a way that promotes spiritual growth? So that was all just a case for why we do it. But, but practically, how do we do it? How do we take uh, the thoughts that are in the heart of a teacher, uh, the thoughts that we hope are, are from God, the things that God puts on a teacher's heart, uh, that are going out to, to a crowd, to a group of people, uh, how, do we, how does that transaction work? How does that process work? How do we learn? How do we receive it? And this is sort of like a little sub part of the sermon, which is a sermon on how to listen to sermons, which is really cool. I've never done a sermon on how to listen to a sermon before. Uh, but uh, but there's, there's some things that we can, we can learn together about just how to receive this and how to do it. Uh, so what we're going to use really is just this sort of metaphor of, of apples. You know, as a, as a pastor, when I'm teaching, when I'm writing a message, and when I'm trying to think through uh, what it is that I have to share uh, on a Sunday, I've really got a whole pile of different things. Often it's controlled by hopefully one central idea or one central text. There's really one major thing that I want to get across. But, but how many of you guys know already I've said like 100 things. But I've said like a whole bunch of different things and I've told some stories and I've used some different illustrations and each of those elements of teaching are like uh, apples that I, I, I'm putting out here for you to, I'm throwing them out there and, and hoping you're going to catch some of them, right? Or, or, or hoping you're going to grab them. I'm presenting to you what I hope is some good fruit for you to consume. And so the question is, how do you, uh, how do you consume it? How do you accept or hear or understand teaching? And, and what's really important in, in, in that and being a place of listening to teaching is your posture. Uh, what's happening in your heart? What's happening in your head as, uh, as, as you're learning and listening uh, together? So um, we're just going to go through some different aspects of our posture towards teaching or a posture towards those apples that are getting lobbed out and talk about how we might receive them. Uh, the first thing I, I, I want to say is that critical thinking is a really good start. There, there, you want there to be something inside of you which is, which is evaluatory, which is, which is evaluating, is this good food? Is this the word of God? Is this uh, scriptural? Does this make sense? Is this something I can take in? Uh, we hear Paul teaching Galatians 1, but even if we are an angel from heaven, should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, you know, he's like warning, like, like there are teachers out there who are teaching things that can really harm you and really hurt you. So one, I don't want you guys to be receiving a sermon from me or from stuff you see on YouTube or anywhere on the internet and just saying, hey, whatever uh, they, is taught to me, I'm just going to take that all in. That's perfect. Right? Obviously, critical thinking is, is important. Obviously, uh, being a critic of teaching isn't as great. Right? So I want to talk about sort of these other filters a little bit. Um, w one filter I want to talk about is the affirmation filter. Um, some of us come into teaching and some of us come into preaching. Uh, how many, and, and I'm like this a lot of the time, there's not really anything bad with it if, it's, if, 
if it's mixed with other things, but we come into teaching, we're like, man, I, I want to feel good about myself coming out of this. Right? How many of you are just like, I would like to feel good about myself coming about this. I would like to feel positive about who I am uh, coming into it. Right? That's one possible filter we can apply. So when an apple is lobbed to you, when an idea is thrown out to you, uh, something that you could catch and maybe consume, some of us are wired to say that is good or, or that is bad. And our ability to evaluate that, whether it's good or it's bad, makes us feel affirmed in who we are. So I feel like if, like one of the things I often hear people come, come to me and say after some, man, I really agreed with that. I, that really connected with me. I got that one. That was so great. That really makes sense. I heard that when I was a, a teenager and that really, really connected with me, with my heart again. That's, that's pretty good. But if you're only looking for that which affirms the view you already have, you're limited to learning only that which you already know. So the affirmation filter, yeah, I connect with that, is good, it's affirming and it's encouraging, right? But it also has a potential to eliminate uh, everything except for that which affirms you and makes you feel good. Rubber stamp, that was a great sermon, I agreed with that. But what we probably want you to engage with is some of the stuff that you don't quite agree with yet, Right? Uh, the, the, the negative side of that affirmation filter is you feel really, really good as a person if you spot the stuff that doesn't connect with you or the stuff that seems wrong. I feel really affirmed if I didn't agree with that. <laughs> right? Come on, how many of us have been there? I have been there. I have been at conferences. Uh, I mean, I was at a conference crazy church where we would have like 2,000 people uh, coming to our church like every six weeks for a massive conference and literally hearing every major speaker in the charismatic world in North America, Europe, and around the world coming into our church. I heard sermons from so many high-level people, and I became jaded in that time. And I became a critic of teaching. Right? I became a critic of teaching. And I just, there was something about me that just loved to go, Ehh! how many of you got the buzzer? Ehh! Right? A, a critic of teaching, man, I don't like that. That doesn't feel good. I, so I, I feel good about myself because I spotted it. That preacher made a mistake and I got it. Yeah. Right? We, we have that thing in us. But what that does, of course, for us is that uh, limits what we receive doesn't it? If that's what makes us feel affirmed in preaching and teaching, uh, we, we're, we're limited, right? So how do we receive other elements of, of, of a message? What are the other filters that we apply? Well, there's the style culture filter. Man, that really connected with me. That illustration like just fit right with where I'm at. You know, as, as a pastor, uh, you know, I know that I'm speaking to a really diverse group of people. I'm speaking to 20-somethings. I'm speaking to uh, teenagers. Uh, this, this week, I'm speaking to junior high because we have uh, junior high kids in here. I'm speaking to Zoomers. I'm speaking to this huge diversity, men and women and people from all over the spectrum, people who are highly committed believers and people who aren't believers at all. Um, and so when I say things and do illustrations, you need to know that the sum of what I am saying in this sermon, I promise you, isn't for you. In terms of the way I deliver a part or a piece of that message. 
I mean, I want illustrations to be as broadly as acceptable as possible, but some of those things aren't going to land with you. I mean, how many of you have, have sometimes gone away from my preaching or anybody's preaching at times and said, oh man, why did he use that illustration that was so lame or that was rude or that was whatever, right? Yeah, right? Right? Thanks, Matt. Matt, Matt uh, called me on one like, why'd you do that uh, the, the other week? Well, Matt, that wasn't for you. That was for the teenagers. <laughs> right? So just, just pro tip, crowds are, are, are diverse. If it isn't meant stylistically for you, if it isn't connecting with you in terms of the way that piece was delivered, one, you might want to capture the content or the main idea that's there. But second, if, if there's something that culturally isn't fitting with you, if I tell a Zoomer story and you're a teenager, teenager, grab that thing, boom. That was meant for my grandma, and pray it, boom, over to grandma. Be an active listener. Grandma, if you're like, oh man, he's talking like about Jesus in such a familiar way again, it makes me a little bit uncomfortable. That's probably for the teenagers in the room. Bam, grab that thing, makes me uncomfortable. Slam dunk it over in prayer to the teenagers. Be an active prayer warrior when, when messages are going on and, and help uh, the pieces and the elements of it get to where they're intended to go. So be active in prayer. And then even remember stuff that isn't meant for you culturally, you want to capture that and catch the content and you want to get, what, you want to get the gold out of that idea still, right? So have that filter on, that, that style culture filter. Yes, it agrees with me. Yes, it connects with me. No, it doesn't. Uh, just be a little bit more active in that when you're listening to, to me or to other preachers that you're hearing. Um, the other one is the familiarity filter. It's <laughs> oh, I've heard that before. Oh, I've heard him tell that story a hundred times. Right? I promise you, if you're going to live long-term in a church, you, I'm probably going to have to repeat a story once or twice. And every preacher is going to do it. And in fact, in terms of how we do preaching, you know, we always know that there's new people coming into church and cycling into church. Every few years, we're going to do something on the life of Christ. Every few years, we're going to do something on finance. Every few years, we're going to do something on, on whatever. And if you're like, oh man, I've heard the finance talk a hundred times, like just turn my brain off, right? And just like tune it out. Don't, don't let that familiarity filter uh, cause you to miss something that's really, really good that's going on. Don't reject something you've heard before because very likely there's a deeper level of awareness that God might be calling you to. And very, very likely, almost always, if there's something you've heard a whole bunch of times before, very, very likely there's a whole other application that God might be calling you to. So I, I used this illustration a couple of weeks ago. Like if I told you, gave you a big spiel on, on doing Bible memory work, memorizing a verse, and you're like, oh, good grief, what is this Sunday school? He's telling me to memorize scripture, right? That little thing goes on in your heart. And I might, I just ask you, like, when was the last time you tried memorizing the scripture? And you go, Sunday school, <laughs> right? So does memorizing scripture not have value for you now? Right, so take that familiarity filter and think, oh man, is there something that needs to be active and applied in my life right now in a new and fresh way? Is there something valuable I can receive from that? I'm going to give you a little piece of homework, actual little scripture memory at the end of the sermon. So that'll be, that'll be really fun. Uh, so just another uh, filter that we often use um, uh, and, and that really applies, we're getting into sort of maybe more positive aspects of it right now, is uh, the challenge filter. 
the thing that you really want to be looking for in a message, or one of the things you really want to be looking for in a message is, man, what is, what, what, what kind of don't I agree with? Like, what kind of is grating at me a little bit here? That, instead of applying your rejection, you know, filter to that, your, uh, that's no good, I don't want to listen to that, your, your X's and your check marks to that kind of stuff, that stuff that's like challenging you and, and, and grabbing you and, and agitating you a little bit, that can very well be the stuff that the Lord is wanting you to just chew on a little bit longer. Right, that, that filter, you, you can't learn anything unless you didn't know it in the beginning. Right? <laughs> By definition, learning something starts with you not having known it. So if you're coming to church and you're, you're sort of constantly saying, oh man, this isn't challenging me, I'm not, I'm not connecting with it, it's very likely that something that was meant to be challenging you is something that you rejected altogether too quickly as something you didn't agree with and maybe as something that you might need to just dig in a little bit more. And even if you're digging into something that you're, that's challenging you or might not be agreeing with you, you know, take it away, do a little bit of research and you're going to find you're going to grow just by the chewing on it. Even if the idea is something that you're ultimately rejecting is something not applicable to you, that process of grappling with it is something that is very likely to uh, grow you, just grow your muscle just by chewing on it. Right? It's really important. The cutting edge of growth often starts with what you don't agree with. Right? So, so hear those things and hear some, some weight in them and wrestle with them. Uh, the second one is just this application filter. And it's just one of the best possible things you can ask is just how is this meant to change the way I behave? Like, like uh, we, this can't just be uh, what we learn, what we learn in our heads. Uh, spiritual growth for you isn't accumulating knowledge. Spiritual growth for us has to be about heart transformation and it has to be about behavior alteration. It has to be about, okay, so, so what can this teaching change about the way I'm living my life? How can it make it easier for me to follow Jesus? How can I grow through this? Uh, how, can, how is this going to make my family life better? How is this going to make my relationship with my spouse better if I have a, an attitude of humility or if I learn joy or if I learn uh, to walk in um, uh, a better ability to listen or whatever it is that's coming at you in a given moment? How could this thought possibly change my behavior in a way that's going to uh, make my life and the lives of those around me a little bit better? Application filter is huge. Uh, the second thing that's a really important filter that we always want to see operating is the illumination filter. When we're reading the scriptures, and I pray this uh, most times, when I'm, especially when I'm doing a more exegetical sermon, when we're looking at one passage of the scriptures, you'll, you'll know if, you're, if you've been here for a while that I pray, Lord, would you just do something in our hearts just by the reading of the scriptures that uh, just mystically, powerfully transforms me uh, by your Holy Spirit? Uh, we want to be coming into, this, into preaching and teaching, whether it's online, on YouTube, wherever you're taking it, with a heart that is just saying, Holy Spirit, will you take one of those apples, one of those things, one of those thoughts that are being tossed out, and will you illuminate it to my heart? Will you make it stand out? While all the others are green, make one a bright pink. And let it grab my heart. And Holy Spirit, would you cause that to, to, uh, to enter into my life and to transform me and to make me new? Uh, and that's just something that would be just so powerful for you as a person that's coming into teaching uh, sermon times and just saying, Holy Spirit, 
whatever you want me to get out of this, would you cause, uh, cause me to get it? Don't let me miss it. Would you shine your light on something important for me this morning? Because the Holy Spirit is living and active and he's going to do, uh, do his work. Um, uh, it's just, this is just another really simple thing, not one of the filters. Take notes. Way to go, Gordon Sandy. Uh, take notes. Like just acknowledge the different learning styles as much as possible uh, as a preacher. That's why I do visual uh, slides. Some of you are real visual learners. And if I just droned on and on and talking with, with something visual, one, it might not hold your attention or it might not be uh, something that you personally connect with. Maybe just the words are important to you. Close your eyes if you can and try not to look like you're sleeping. That would encourage me a lot if that's too distracting for you. Um, but, uh, but we're visual learners. We learn in all kinds of different ways. Um, it can be really important for us, but uh, we also learn, and this is something your parents taught you in grade nine and your teachers taught you, uh, when you're hearing something, uh, you learn it best in class when you're taking notes, right? Right, I, I'm often taking notes on my phone when Jake's preaching or somebody else is, is preaching because uh, there's something about the way, uh, something entering our ears and entering our eyes and then entering our fingers and then entering back through our eyes. There's something about that learning cycle that causes stuff to work well in terms of our memory, in terms of how we grow. So that is, uh, you know, just filters for listening to message. Uh, another question then is just where do we find uh, good teaching? Where do we find good teaching? Uh, how do we connect with it? Um, and, and just... Uh, my encouragement to us this morning is just to find, you know, beyond OVV, I put our own logo up there uh, with all of these others because I really do believe that uh, there's something about uh, the message that's coming forward to you in the context of your local body that's, that's important for growing you into a community uh, that's fit for your particular context and culture. Uh, there's value in that, but there's so much incredibly amazing access to amazing teaching that's out there if we carve out a little bit of our time in our lives outside of our Sunday mornings to just go and get it. Uh, I listen to podcasts in the car all the time. Uh, I listen to uh, something I've just recently started doing. Like I'm a, I'm a reader. I'm kind of a voracious reader. I'm never happier than when I'm sitting there with a with a theology book or, or looking at something like that, taking in content and teaching. But I found that life gets gets fairly busy. And one of the things I've just started doing uh, for the first time, which is which is crazy because it's been available for years, is uh, buying books on Audible, uh, which is a, an Amazon subsidiary, and just listening to an audio book in the car. A good portion of the books that I'm consuming right now are just audiobooks while I'm driving down. And you can listen to them at like one and a half speed or two times speed, which is really great because it's, it's, if you listen to them at one time speed, it's really, really boring and slow. So you can just like pick the pace that works for you and, uh, and, and it comes in uh, by a paper copy of a book. Like sometimes there's just joy uh, in that. There's YouTube. Uh, how many of you know about uh, our, our um, partnership with Right Now Media that we have as a church? That's so great. If, you, if you're not aware of that, everybody who attends our church, you could just email uh, info at ovv.ca or Linda. And what we'll do is we'll give you a password to something called Right Now Media, which is basically uh, the Netflix of, of Christian teaching and content. 
There's just so much curated, beautiful content, some stuff for kids, Bible studies, amazing stuff there. Uh, we pay a membership fee as a church. And, uh, and if you um, contact us to get the code, we'll give you a code and you can just go in there and consume as much of it as you want. And there's amazing stuff on there. Uh, one of the things I listen to from a leadership perspective is, is Carrie uh, Newhoff's leadership podcast, but there's a whole bunch of other things that I, that I look at. Um, and I just put church leaders conference here. You sort of can't see there's not, not enough conf- contrast in the word conference, but get to a conference, get to somewhere where you're in a learning environment and grow. It's just so valuable. Uh, so valuable. So that's it. Teaching. It's so valuable. It's so amazing. And just hopefully some really helpful tips uh, for us on how we consume it. Uh, just a couple of other thoughts I promised you. A little application, a little homework uh, for for you all. And, and I'm just going to say, you know, just just a challenge to you this week. Find one previously unused source for content and listen to a message. If you've never listened to an audiobook, grab an audiobook. If you've never listened to a podcast, uh, look at your app on your phone and see if you can get access to a podcast. Uh, if you haven't read a book in a long time, grab a book. Whatever it is, uh, just find some piece of a message from somewhere that you've not found one before and take it in and, and, and grow that way. And second, memorize any scripture verse. That's your other one. And I, and I was going to put a, a specific verse there, but I just said I put a specific verse not to put there. How many of you know what uh, uh, John 11.35 is? Jesus wept. So that's just too short. You can't memorize that one. That one doesn't count. <laughs> you got to memorize one that's at least a line and a half long. So, yeah, that's great. Thanks, Dan. Okay, let's stand up and pray. Lord, we love uh, your Holy Spirit. We love that you long to grow us. We love that you long to teach us. Lord, we've talked about some kind of unhealthy filters we use, and we've talked about some uh, really positive filters we used. And, and Lord, I just ask that you would help some of uh, that to just land home with us and cause us to just come into preaching and teaching, whether it's here or wherever you send us or wherever you're getting it, with hearts that are open and minds that are active, uh, with a whole being that is passionate to learn about you and from you and grow. Would you cause us to be full of a passion to grow in you, to become more like you, to become enduring saints, to become imitators of you, and to become people who follow you in your mission. Lord, come and do it in us, we pray. In Jesus' holy name, amen, amen. God bless you.